0: Hey, well, thank you very much. It's always an honor to be here. I love your church. I love what you guys are doing. Love that you launched another campus. And I definitely love your pastor. He's one of my best friends. We've known each other for over 30 years. Uh, so we met when we were infants. and. Um, I think you know that's not true, um, but uh, we've known each other a long time. It's so funny that you show that video of Shane throwing, uh, uh, you know, water balloons off a roof because that's one of my favorite Shane memories. Is when he taught me how to throw uh, stuff from a roof uh, towards people, but it wasn't water balloons; it was two liters. Uh, so anyway, um, sorry if you're a police officer, uh, I think the statue it was in Kansas, so it doesn't really matter. So anyway, um, the thing about, uh, about Shane and the thing about knowing somebody for 30 years is you know everything about them, and, and you either have tremendous respect for them, or they have paid you handsomely to keep all their secrets, and let's just say Shane's paying for my kid's college, so there you go, um, but I can be bought. Uh, anyway, those, seriously... Shane's the best, and uh, you just need to know that he is the same offstage as he is on, he is genuine, he's a man of integrity, he's one of my closest friends, and I'm in ministry today because of him, not just getting into it, but staying in it, and partly because of him, partly because of you. Because of the crossing and the way that you guys have done things in such a tremendous way has been such a motivator for me and for Real Life Church in the Santa Clarita Valley over in California. And so we're just really grateful for this weekend that we get to switch places and he speaks over there and I speak here and um, it's just always a, a great, great time. So honored to be here. And uh, today we're going to continue this series because Real Life and The Crossing, we're doing the same series this summer called Running with Giants. And when Shane and I talked about this about a year ago, we said, what if we do this series on this? This great list of heroes uh, that we read about in Hebrews chapter 11. And just kind of to catch you up on what's going on here, uh, there's this little church in the very first century that was just discouraged and just down and feeling bad. And I know nobody in here feels that way, but they did. And so somebody wrote them a letter and said, hey, you know, be encouraged, and here's why. And they started listing all the heroes of the faith that have gone before them, and they said, be encouraged because of them. And then they said this great, great phrase, and they said, therefore, because we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run this race with perseverance. And so this word witnesses, I used to think meant, you know, it's just the people that watch you and, you know, in your school or in your home or on your cul-de-sac. But this is literally this long list of people, these heroes of the faith that stand in the grandstands of heaven cheering us on. And we just thought, wouldn't it be cool over the summer if we just took one of these characters every single week and let them take a lap with us to encourage us? Because these heroes of the faith are not just heroes, they're also flawed people who made a lot of mistakes and that we can really resonate with. And so if you find yourself in a situation right now where you feel down or you feel discouraged, or you feel like you're not really sure if you understand any of this, this is like a perfect series for you. If you're brand new to faith, brand new to church, you're not even sure you wanted to be here, somebody just lied to you or bribed you to get you here, that's cool. But I think you're going to learn something because you're going to hear something that maybe you thought you knew, but you didn't know, or maybe a name you never heard before, or maybe a person you just know a little bit about, and you're going to learn more about them. Those of you that have been part of faith for a long time and you've read your Bible two or three times, maybe you were in Sunday school with Moses, you've been around a long, long time. Let me just tell you, I think you're going to get something out of this too because you're going to revisit some of these characters that maybe you thought you knew or maybe you've forgotten about over time. And today, we're going to talk about a very unique story. And I'm just going to be honest with you. This is going to be frustrating for some of you. Because the person we're going to talk about is Noah, and specifically Noah and the ark. And here's why it's going to be frustrating for some of you. It's frustrating because you're going to think, I don't even believe that. That doesn't make any sense. There's no way that could happen. This is why I don't go to church. I can't believe you brought me here, and they're going to talk about Noah and the ark. And can I just tell you, I understand your frustration. I'm so glad you're here. This is a place where skeptics and doubters are welcome, and we're going to walk through some of those things. But regardless whether or not you believe Noah and the ark, you've got to admit there are some principles we can learn from this story. And I got some of these uh, recently, and I thought these were pretty profound. You may want to write some of these down. All I need to know in life I learned from Noah's Ark. Here's the first one. Don't miss the boat. <laughs> all right, That's a big one. That's why we don't have unicorns anymore, friends. They miss the boat, okay? Um, plan ahead, okay? Uh, you know, just it wasn't raining when it all began, so, you know, you got to be you know, looking for the long game here. And then stay fit. Noah was 500 when he began building the ark. So those of you that are retired, keep doing CrossFit, okay? You never know. Uh, For safety's sake, always travel in pairs, okay? That's always a good principle, two by two. Uh, When you're stressed out, go on a cruise, okay? And finally, remember the ark was built by amateurs and the Titanic by professionals. So there you go. Uh, Just a few life lessons for you. (laughs) Uh, Seriously, here's what we're going to talk about today. Um, A lot of us... Uh, reached a season in our life where we're kind of in limbo, in between the now and the not yet, not sure of what is coming next, not sure how to prepare for it. And I remember a time when I experienced this physically. Uh, years ago, I was in junior high. I was out on a, on a lake in a boat with a buddy of mine. It was his boat, and it was this little you know, aluminum boat with a couple of oars. and you know, We're kind of tooling around the, the lake there, and we start approaching the shore. And I'm the guy that's got to get out you know, and, and grab the shore and pull the boat in. And so he kind of rose up there, and there's a, a, a rock there. So I kind of lunged for the rock, and now I'm stuck kind of in between you know, the rock and the boat. And then suddenly the boat begins to move away which it wasn't the wind, it was my buddy, you know, just kind of pushing back a little bit, having fun. And so now I'm like this, I don't know what to do, so I lunge for the rock, and I just miss it, and I'm just sliding down the rock into the water, and what's my friend doing? Helping me, handing me the oar? No, 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 he's just laughing, you know, just, just laughing at the whole thing. And I felt really stupid about it, but then a little TV show came out called America's Funniest Videos, <laughs> and I recognized I was not alone. Uh, so take a look at some of these four individuals. Those never get old. I love those because they just remind us that it happens to everybody, right? Now, that image there of being between two different secure locations, just kind of being in limbo, it's more than just a physical thing for us. Oftentimes, it's kind of where we are in life. And here's what I mean by that. Some of you know what it's like to be in limbo because you're there right now. You're in between two jobs, and you're waiting for that next one, but it hasn't come yet. Maybe you're in between careers, You spent the majority of your life focused on one style of work and now you're gonna move to a different one and you're not really sure, how am I gonna do this? Maybe you're in limbo because you just ended a relationship. You just got out of a, a long relationship or you broke off an engagement or maybe you just ended in a divorce and now you're just kind of wondering, what's next? Maybe you just graduated from high school and you're trying to figure out, what do I do now? Maybe for some of you it's more of a spiritual thing and that you've started coming to church, but your family hasn't joined you yet, and you're trying to figure out, should I stay or should I just go home? Maybe for you it's this issue of trusting God with your resources or your time or your talents, and you hear about partners like what was just mentioned a little bit ago that you think, I want to do something, but I'm not really sure what to do, and you're kind of, In limbo. For anybody who's there, and that's every one of us, you're either going to be there or you are there now. The question is, what do we do between the now and the not yet? What do we do between the reality and the dream? How do we manage the tension of being in limbo? Well, that's Noah's situation. Noah has to live this. And just to give you some background on kind of where Noah comes into play here, is that God has created the world, gives us free will. We make a mess of things because of our sin, and God thinks, I think I've got to start over. These people have sinned so much and made such a mess of everything. I think I've got to start completely over. Take a look at what the text tells us about what's going on at that time. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. I am sorry I ever made them. You feel the heaviness in these words about God? What he looks at creation and what he thinks? But unlike us, God has the ability to process things a little longer than we do. Instead of us just having a knee-jerk reaction and wiping everything out, God has two sides to his nature. One of justice, which says this is not right, and the other of love. How can I make it right? And God decides, I'm going to start over, but I'm going to save some people by providing them an opportunity to save and repopulate the earth. And he finds this individual in Noah. He finds that Noah is this unique individual that actually follows after him. In fact, archaeologists estimate that at this period in human history, there's about a million people on the planet. So it is a safe to say that Noah is one in a million. Thank you. All right. Here's what, it doesn't get any better, all right? But Noah found favor with the Lord. Now think about that for a second. This idea of finding favor simply means that an extraordinary individual sees an ordinary individual and provides them a second chance or grace or something they don't deserve. And that's exactly what God does with Noah. He sees that Noah is ordinary but worth saving and sees that he can renew his plan for this world through Noah. And so God goes to Noah and says, "We're going to build a boat." And here's the specs for that boat. And it's incredibly strange for Noah to begin to process this. But Noah accepts the challenge and begins this 120-year process of building this boat. Now you talk about being in limbo. That's where Noah lived. And we can learn so much from his journey that applies to ours. So I want to tell you three things. Here's the first thing. Anytime that you are stuck in between the now and the not yet, the first thing you got to do is believe God. Now, I didn't say believe in God. I'm not saying it's just having a higher power. I'm not saying it's just believing that something created this world. I'm saying you've put your trust in God and you're choosing to believe him. Now, right there is where some of you go, okay, now, that's why, this is why I don't believe God, because of crazy stories like this one, Noah and the Ark. This is just strange. So, you know what I did a few months ago? I thought, I anticipate the questions about this story because I have some of the similar questions, and so I called up this great organization called Reasons to Believe, and it's filled with um, scientists and theologians, and I just asked them some of these questions, and I got some really great answers. I said, tell me this. Noah is supposedly 500 years old when he begins building the ark, and then he builds it for 120 years. That seems ridiculous. People can't live that long. And here's what they said. They said, first of all, we are already living in an age where scientists are able to alter DNA enough to, you know, genetically engineer people to some degree, but also be able to lengthen our lifespan. And in the Years to come, this is going to be more of a growing phenomenon we're going to to experience. If we're able to do that with the technology we have, do you think that God could possibly do this as well? I guess you got a point there. That's probably true. And I mean, think about it. Back then, I mean, they didn't have fast food, okay? Maybe if we weren't, you know, eating french fries and all of that, you lived to be 500 years old. But my question is this, would it be worth it? Okay, process that a little bit. I don't, I don't know if it would be. But they could live to be 500 years old without in and out fries. But anyway, Noah lives to be 500 and then 120 years. And I said, all right, well, th- th- help me understand this. Okay, maybe we could genetically engineer that. Maybe God could do that. But then they said this. This was fascinating. At the time in which this was written down, not experienced, but written down, it was during the Mesopotamian Age it was then that people were dividing everything or using the, the integer six for all of their means of numbering things. For instance, this is where we get 60 seconds in a minute and 60 minutes in an hour instead of tens and hundreds like we do everything else. So if you simply look at he was 600 years old and you divide it by six, now he's 100. You kind of understand it a little bit differently. I said, well, that, that's a pretty interesting idea too. I said, well, what about the fact that it never rained? How is that even possible? And they said, well, that's not actually what the text says. The text says it didn't rain before Genesis 3 when sin enters the world. When sin enters the world, then everything breaks, including the planet. And that's why we have floods and we have tsunamis and earthquakes and hurricanes. And they had seen rain. They just hadn't seen that much of the rain. I said, well, what about the rainbow? It seems crazy to people to think that God creates a rainbow just to say that this is a promise to you. I said, well, that's not exactly entirely what happened either. It's safe to say that rainbows had existed before then because it's just science. It's just, you know, molecules. But God repurposed something that was already around. Much like he did with lambs and goats and said now they're a sacrifice or bread and wine and now it's communion. He takes a rainbow and he says, when you look at it, from now on I want you to remember this moment and that I will never flood the earth again. I said, well, what about all these animals coming from all over the planet? And they said, well, it's safe to assume we're not getting penguins from Antarctica coming up for this thing. But the population hadn't spread all over the planet. Animals weren't everywhere yet. There weren't as many animals as there are today. There might not have needed to be that many that got on the ark. And on and on I went, and on and on I became more convinced. But let me tell you why I take the story of Noah and the ark seriously. Beyond just those facts I just gave you. I take it seriously because Jesus took it seriously. Jesus talks about Noah and the ark. And when you have the ability to predict your own death, burial, resurrection, and then pull it off, I tend to believe what you have to say. And so that's why I go with what Jesus says and believe this story. Now, that's just where I'm coming from. Let me tell you where Noah was with this. Noah is in a place where he's 500 miles from the nearest body of water, and God just told him, build a big boat. Why would I do that, God? Because it's going to rain. Okay, I've seen it rain before, but it's going to rain so much it's going to flood. I've never seen that. And then God begins to tell him, here's some of the the specs on it. 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet tall. I don't need to go into all these because we've seen Evan almighty, so we all know exactly what this looks like. (laughs) But he said, I want you to build this boat, and then I'm going to bring the animals. And look what Hebrews tells us about this individual. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things, look at this, that never happened before. Now, can we just drill down on this word just a little bit? If you're going to follow after God, if you're going to be a Jesus follower, this is a large part of your life. This word really sums up a couple of different ideas. First of all, to obey even when you don't understand it. I mean, Noah didn't understand all these facts. Noah didn't understand what was about to happen. But as soon as God said it, he and the boys went down to Home Depot and they started getting wood. (laughs) We're going to do this. That's what we do. Now, one of the things I love about your church is you guys constantly continuously you see an influx of brand new people coming on board saying I'm in on this Jesus thing you give your lives to Jesus you get baptized you join groups you start serving and there's this intense kind of honeymoon period where people go through this journey with Jesus where everything's great my life's totally different I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus but inevitably after a few months or maybe a few years something happens where it just gets difficult because life sets in and things get a little tricky And you begin to read passages in the Bible that say that Jesus wants you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, Mm. that Jesus wants you to cast all your anxiety on him rather than controlling it yourself, Mm. that Jesus wants you to be generous with your resources towards others and towards the church. Mm. And we begin to look at our Bible more like a buffet and kind of go, oh, I'll have a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but don't really care about the Brussels sprouts. I'm just going to go with the blessings, right? I know this couple in our church who recently came up to me and told me this story. They said, you know how you're always talking about tithing and what it means to give back to God? I said, yeah, tithing is just giving 10% back to God. They said, we made a commitment to do that several months ago. And every month we've written out that check for 300 bucks that we're supposed to give a couple times a month, and we just we give that away. I said, that's fantastic. She said, till a few weeks ago. So what happened? She said, bills were tight. And we didn't, we didn't know if we could make that, write out that $300 check. But I just knew, I just knew, I just knew I was supposed to do it so I did it. I wasn't sure how we were going to make it. Put that check in the offering, you know, and a few days later, I realized we hadn't checked the mail in a while, And so I went down and I checked the mailbox and a big stack of, you know, bills and junk mail, and I find this letter in there that says we'd overpaid something, and it was a check for $330. And they said, that's pretty amazing. Not only did we get the tithe back, but God tithed on the tithe. That was pretty cool. I said, well, He doesn't always do it that way, but that's awesome, you know? But the point is, is that in this moment, they did exactly everything that they were supposed to do. Look what it says here about Moses, and that is, or Noah. Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Everything exactly. Not pretty close, not cut a few corners, not a little bit of his help, but just everything exactly. So do you have the courage to do that? Here's the second thing about this obey thing. It involves waiting. None of us like to wait. None of us get in a traffic jam and say, this is a great moment in my life. <laughs> all right? We all go to the grocery store and we start looking for the shortest line and we count items in people's baskets, you know, and we try to figure out, are you going to use Apple Pay? Because if you are, that's quicker. I'm going to go behind you. You know, you're just trying to survey all that. You ever thought about when you go to a restaurant, you wait five times for your experience there? you wait to be seated, you wait to get your menu, you wait to order, you wait for your food, then you wait for the check. And yet the food servers call themselves waiters. We're the waiters. Okay, friends? They should be tipping us, all right, because we sat there the whole time. So you just, you just share that with people today as you're sitting there. Here's the thing. Noah waits 120 years. Even if you divide that by six, it's a long, long time to wait. And there's got to be times he goes home and says to his wife, I can't do this anymore. But he keeps going. And the same thing is true in your faith. God's time is different than your time and my time. And I learned the difference in time when I got married. There's the way I see time and the way my wife sees time. And when she says, I'll be ready in 10 minutes... That may be divisible by six, probably multiplied by six, okay? We just don't know. There's differences in how we view time, right? And God is the same way. He views time differently than we do. We want it now. He says, I'll tell you the right time. Philip Yancey says that there's basically two kinds of faith we have to have. We have to have that childlike faith like David and Goliath, and David runs out there with a slingshot saying, bring it on, big guy. But then there's the Noah kind of faith that says, I'll go and wait. Day after day after day on God. So if you're in limbo right now, you've got to believe. You've got to believe God. Take him at his word. Here's the second thing. You've got to ignore detractors. Now, I think this is so important. I wanted to come up with a way for you to remember it. and I came up with something really corny, so I have a little bit of grace here. You remember that uh, TV show, Fantasy Island? And, and Tattoo would come out and you would say, De Plain, boss, De plain. Well, just imagine there was another show called Fantasy Farm. And somebody would say, detractor, boss, detractor. Okay, there it is. All right. Sorry, Shane will be back. Okay. Um, But you'll never forget it, right? Detractors. These are the people in your life that look at you and go, you're going to church? You? They let you in? Walls didn't fall down? That seems like a waste of time. You're giving money? Oh, that's crazy. Why would you do that? And Noah, for 120 years, is out building this ark. And every day he's talking to the people that come by. Hey, you should join in. You should join in. A flood's coming. What's a flood? I don't know, but it's coming. (laughs) He just keeps telling them over and over again. And they constantly just make fun of him for this. When you think about the things that they would say, are you having a midlife crisis, Noah? I mean, you are 500, but come on. Most people go out and they get a Lamborghini or a Porsche or they, they get a prettier or younger 300-year-old woman. You know, what, this, this, what are you doing? And the constant negativity and detractors in his life, and yet he stays the course. But you know what? Any of you in business, you get this because you've had to ignore the distractions and the detractors as well. Think about Walt Disney. He went to 301 banks before he finally found a bank that would loan him the money to build Disneyland. And now we go to 301 banks when we want to buy a ticket to go to Disneyland, right? It's just the way that it is. It's all about detractors. Now, now here's what I want to say. This This is what I'm about to say isn't for everybody. Because what I'm about to say is if you really want to take it up a notch in your faith, if you want to go down the double black diamond on the ski slope in your faith, this is where it really steps up. Because it's when you decide, I'm going to really take a leap of faith here, that your faith grows exponentially. Here's what I mean by that. This place is filled with people that do crazy things. It's filled with people who do crazy things like use their vacation to go on a mission trip. It's filled with people that do crazy things like sell cars and boats and trade in timeshares and get second jobs in order to contribute money to build a facility like this. It's filled with crazy people that really do believe the grace of God and invite other people to be a part of that as well. It's filled with crazy people that decide to use the neighborhood as a place to pray for people and pastor people and take care of people until they come to faith. That's this kind of place. And that's when you begin to take it up a notch. And I guarantee you when you do that, there will be people that look at you and say, you're crazy. But Noah pressed on. Noah kept going. And when you're in limbo, you got to ignore what other people are saying. Here's the third and last thing. you got to maximize your opportunities. you got to maximize your opportunities. Because when God opens that door for you, you got to jump when it's time. Noah preaches for 120 years. Nobody decides to join him. And then finally, the boat is done. Take a look at what it says here. Finally, the day came when the Lord said to Noah, go into the boat with all your family. And we picture this as God kind of being amongst Noah and the family saying, all right, go on in. But really that Hebrew word for this in the original text says, come. It's as if God is in the boat looking at Noah and his family saying, come on in. And they do. And then here come the animals. And the door stays open for six more days. And nobody else comes in. Six more days, they have an opportunity to enter into safety, and they don't take them up on it. And then God shuts the door, and then it begins to rain, and it begins to pour, and the water begins to rise to ankle deep, and then knee, and then waist. And slowly the ark begins to lift up and float. And after about 40 days, the ark comes to rest, and the door opens again, and it's eerily quiet. But everyone had 120 years plus six days, and they missed it. See, friends, God has given you an opportunity and me an opportunity to do something with our lives, but oftentimes we just miss it. In fact, Jesus even references this when he says this about Noah. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings. Right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. They missed the opportunity. What is that opportunity for you? The street outside the church where I get to be a, a pastor is a busy road with a lot of cars. And there's a speed limit sign there. And it's one of those that not only tells you the speed limit, it has the digital sign above it that tells you how fast you're going. And you go by it too fast, it will start saying, slow down, slow down, slow down. Now, I don't don't know this. I've heard this from people, right? I'm kidding. Because one day I came up there and it was saying, slow down, slow down. I thought, oh, I'm going too fast. And I, I slowed it down to the speed limit and I went over the hill and right there waiting was a police officer, and I was so glad I yielded that sign. Here's the thing. You've got signs all around you. It could be a friend that's recently come into your life that's helping you get here. Don't ignore that. It could be a spouse that's been inviting you and inviting you and inviting you, and you finally came. Don't ignore that. It could be an invitation from this stage to get baptized. Don't ignore that. It could be an opportunity to partner with a great organization and help out in this community. Don't ignore that. When you're in limbo, trust God. Ignore what other people say. But take God up on his offers. They don't last forever. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, which provides us this opportunity to yield to you, to give you our lives, and to follow you. God, I pray right now for all listening to me, whether it's in this room, at the Southeast campus, online, that they would take you up on that opportunity. For some, it's just to simply say today, Jesus, I'm ready to make you the leader and the forgiver of my life. For others, it's to take their faith to a next level by sacrificing more of their resources or time or energies. For some, it's to go on a mission trip. For others, it's to invite a friend. For others, it's to just finally join a group. God, you know what it is, and I pray that you would just impress that upon their heart in these next few moments. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.